0: I'm divided in general in my life. I think I'm half living in Israel and the war, and I'm half not living. I'm half living my life. So forgive me if I, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with Israel. I don't have a lot to give to Israel, but I have my pulpit to give to Israel. So I'd like to give what I have. When you look at the beginning of Vayigash, it's pretty poignant because we have the climax to the massive Joseph saga. And it comes right at the beginning. It happens with Judah's speech. You know, all along, events are conspiring through God or through Yosef to make Judah and the others, make them embody what they should have embodied for Yosef. To make them genuinely come up with the fact that they absolutely cannot leave their brother behind. They absolutely are responsible and intertwined with their brother, And they are absolutely interconnected with their father who will not be the same person without one of his sons coming home. And they ignored all of that initially. And now Yosef is waiting for them to summon that about Benjamin, what they couldn't do for Yosef. So Yosef has asked them, you have to give me Benjamin in pledge. Now, that's not the same thing as a captive, but it's also not the same thing as, as a slave. It's saying that I'm basically, I'm going to put Benjamin in captivity like Joseph was in the prison. And that's the price I pay for saving you guys, right? So will they exchange their own survival for potentially losing Benjamin? We answered, we cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us can we do that. Can we go back to Israel, Kanaan? For we may not show our faces to the man unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, as you know, my wife bore me two sons, but one is gone from me. And I said, he must have been torn by a beast. He's trefa, And I've not seen him since. And if you take this one from me too, and he meets with disaster, you will send my white head down to Shaol in sorrow. So can they feel their father's pain of having a son who will not come home, either from captivity or death? Now, if you come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, since his own life is so bound up with his. So if you notice, b'nafshu kishura b'nafshu his spirit of the boy who could be in captivity is intertwined with my father's spirit. Does anybody know what prayer we use that in today? I'm pretty sure I use it a lot more than any of you. It's the deathbed vidui. Right before you say the Shema, you start by saying, God, may all the pain that I've suffered in my life serve as full payment for any place I let you down and I let others down in my life. And then there's one more statement before the Shema, which is, and watch over, since I won't be able to, my beloved in this world, because their spirits are connected to mine. So on the very deathbed before you say the Shema, you're like, my loved ones, their spirits are in their time with me. I'm completely interconnected. It's, it's about as poignant as it gets. And when he sees the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will send the white head of your servant, our father, down to Shaol and grieve. Now your servant has pledged himself for the war. So in other words, take my place. I have pledged myself. Don't make it Benjamin, right? Which is what he should have said initially, right? Don't, don't put Joseph in the pit. Take him home. Put me instead. If I don't bring him back to you, I shall stand guilty before my father. Forever, please let your servant remain me. Please let me remain as a slave to my Lord instead of the boy. Let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father unless the boy is with me? Let me not be witness to the woe that would overtake him. And Then the climax. Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his sentence. He cried out. Have everyone withdrawn, so there's no one about, when he started sobbing so loud that the Egyptians could hear outside, and even the news of his sobbing reached Pharaoh's palace, as he said, I am Yosef, Is my father still well. So it's not lost on you what I'm saying, which is right now, the conversation in America, and there are many conversations, but I think we all know the overwhelming conversation about Israel and Gaza is ceasefire or no ceasefire. And for those of you, and there are many of you who read the Israeli news, that's not the conversation. The conversation is, do we need do what we need to do to get the captives redeemed? Or do we not because the price would be so terrible? So I want to channel for today and share my pulpit with the Israel conversation rather than the American conversation, which I alluded to last week. The mitzvah of Pion Shavuim, the redemption of captives. Joseph knows it well. He actually was in the dungeon, and he was not redeemed by his kinsmen. You That's what we wait for when we are in the dungeon or when we're captive. We are yearning to be free. We are waiting, waiting to be redeemed by our kinsmen. And when the brothers show that they have changed, they will not allow Benjamin to be in prison. Now, normally, being in prison means for ransom. So the problem that even in the Israel conversation they're facing is Piong the redemption of captives, is usually for a ransom money, but we're not talking ransom, we're talking about the exchange of prisoners, the exchange of many Hamas terrorists in exchange for the redemption of the captives. And so it shifts the conversation, and I want to make sure you understand that. In Isaiah chapter 42, you know how we're supposed to be the light unto the nations? Listen to what Yeshayahu is saying that means. I, God, in my grace, have summoned you, and I have grasped you by the hand, and I created you, and I appointed you to be a covenanted people, a light of nations, opening eyes deprived of light. Opening eyes deprived of light by being the light unto the nations is an idiom meaning freeing the imprisoned. As it says in Psalm 61, rescuing prisoners from confinement, from the dungeon, those who sit in darkness. We are called as a nation to be a light unto the nations, connected directly to the freeing of captives. And thus, in the Avot Rabbi Rabinatan, when two people sit together and engage in Torah, their reward is accrued on high. And who are the God-fearing people that the prophet Malachi is referring to? What does it mean to be God-fearing? It is those who publicly say, "We must go now, and redeem the captives of our people." We remember that Avraham created an army, and won the war of the nine kings, all just to free his kinsman Lot from captivity. But of course, it's a complicated mitzvah in Jewish tradition. It's discussed in Bava Batra and the Talmud. In A B, the sages stated that redeeming captives is a great mitzvah, and from where is it derived? Rabbi Balmari said to him, as it is written, it shall come to pass when they say to you, to where shall we depart, that you shall tell them, so says Adonai, such as are for death to death, such as are for sword to sword, such as are to famine to famine, and such as are for captivity to captivity. They're quoting Jeremiah chapter 15. And Rabbi Yochanan says, This is to teach us that whatever punishment is written later in the verse is more severe than the ones before it. So the Gemara continues, death can be painless and natural, so it is not as bad as the sword. Sword is mutilation and painful and can lead to death. Famine is worse still, for it is very long and it is painful and it can lead to death. As it says in Lamentations. And captivity is worse than them all still, as it includes all of them, famine, sword, and likely death. Thus Rambam codifies in the Mishnah Torah, in Gifts to the Poor, chapter 8, the redemption of captives receives priority over sustaining the poor and providing them with clothing. Indeed, there is no greater mitzvah than the redemption of captives. The captive is among those who are hungry and thirsty and unclothed and in mortal peril. And at any time, the captors may take his life. And then Maimonides goes, quotes and quotes and quotes. Don't harden your heart or close your hand from, quotes, Leviticus. Do not stand blood when, by when the blood of your kinsman is in danger. Open your hand to him. Your brother shall live with you. Love your neighbors yourself. Save those who are take all of these to support the redemption of the captives. And, of course, in the Amidah, we're always praying. And back in Birkota Shachar, Matir Asurim, God who sets prisoners free, who releases the bound. But the limitations of it are discussed in Masachet Gittin. Captives should not be redeemed for more than their value because of Tikkun Olam. So you see original um, references to what Tikkun Olam was prior to its popularization in Kapila. The Mishnah states, captives are not redeemed for more than their value because of Tikkun Olam. And Ramban Shimon Gamliel says, this is for the betterment of the captives. The Talmud asks, well, a dilemma was raised before the sages about this. What is this because of tikkun olam? Does it refer to the financial pressure on the community? Is this a concern that the increase in price will lead to the community assuming financial pressures it will not be able to manage? So is redeeming a captive is it is the problem is you're not tikkun olam, you're not healing anything if the price paid. Pulls the community apart and damages the community. And this is the Talmud I'm still quoting. Perhaps it's because then people will go ahead and seize and make additional captives. And so Tikkun Olam requires that we don't redeem them for higher than their price. We teach that it is not worthwhile to take Jews captive. And the Talmud continues. Maybe we can learn something from the famous example of Levi Bardaga, who redeemed his daughter, who was taken captive, with the outrageous sum of 13,000 dinars of gold. Maybe we learned that private citizens are allowed to overpay, but the community should not assume the excessive burden. But maybe what he did wasn't even acceptable, because if the ordinance was instituted not to encourage future capture of Jews, then even private individuals shouldn't pay. And Abaye agreed, saying, this is a story that teaches us nothing except that he violated the law. This is where our Israeli siblings are debating day and night. With the agony of their souls wrapped up with those of the captives what is overpayment in 2013 israel released 104 palestinian prisoners as a goodwill gesture in talks with the palestinian authority they included salam ali and salam ali atiyah abu musa and others and a few of the stories that we know happen the story of moshe eisenstadt who was born in brooklyn in 1914 he immigrated to Israel late in his life and volunteered for many years at a hospital in the suburb of Tel Aviv. Aijenstot was sitting on a park bench reading a book when Ibrahim Salim Ali El Rai attacked and killed him with an axe in 1994. He was not 79. Or Isaac Rosenburg, born in Poland in 1927. In the course of the Holocaust, he was sent to the Sobibor death camp and managed to escape in 1943. When Sobibor's inmates rose up against the Nazis, Rosenberg ultimately fought the German army with the Partisans and after arriving in Israel, worked in construction. He was on his knees repairing a floor when Salam Ali Atiyah Abu Musa and another assailant attacked and killed him with axes in 1994, and he was 67. There were just a couple of the ones released just in that prisoner exchange alone. I have two pages of prisoners who were released just in that prisoner exchange who had murdered men, women, and children in Israel and who were exchanged for hostage. Actually, in that point, it was a goodwill gesture. I'm not going to read them because it's too heavy. I'll read the last one before I continue. Shadazat Shabaata was imprisoned in, in 1993 for helping to orchestrate the murder of 51 year old Simkhalevi, a woman who made her a living transporting Palestinian day laborers to work in Jewish settlements in the Gaza Strip. In March, 1993, three of the women laborers were disguised as male, disguised male attackers, and they beat and stabbed her to death. But the Shulchan Aruch in Yerodea states, Jewish law, captives are not to be ransomed at an unreasonable cost because of Tikkun Olam, that's the codification. Otherwise, our enemies would exert every effort to capture victims. Shulchan Aruch. It's hard to even bring up the Gilad Shalit prisoner exchange, also known to the Palestinians as Wafa al-Araq, faithful to the free, followed the 2011 agreement between Israel and Hamas, Elad was exchanged for 1,027 prisoners. Hamas confirmed that the prisoners released under the deal were collectively responsible for the killing of 569 Israelis. It included Hussam Badran, who is now the Hamas spokesman, who resides in Qatar. It includes the leader of Hamas and the architect and leader of the October 7th massacre and kidnappers. Yahya Sinwar, the number one on Israel's most wanted list for a hundred thousand dollar bounty on his head 1989 an israeli court sentenced similar to four life sentences for the rolling killing suspected palestinian informers and plotting to murder two israeli soldiers he was called the butcher um by uh because he butchered his own people who were suspected of informing and sources in israeli intelligence say they thought he would be less dangerous because he hadn't killed israelis he only killed other palestinians he's the architect of the october 7th massacre and he's the leader of Hamas now he became well known in prison as a leader of the inmates and when he was released he made a solemn promise as the leader of the inmates of the Israeli prison where he was housed that he would come back and free them all and he has stated that his plot of the kidnappings on October 7th were to fill his promise that he will exchange those for every single prisoner in that prison to fulfill the promise he made. This offensive, according to Dr. Michael Milstein, whose job it is to study Hamas, says this offensive is the mission of his life. They put us in an impossible position, and our brothers and sisters are right in this part of the parasha. Brothers and sisters in Israel, they desperately they they're they're sending their own heads in white down to Sha'ol if the captives are not returned. And they're trying to understand that this is what God called us to do, that the redemption of captives is the paramount sign of humanity, that one contains humanity. And the paramount sign of inhumanity is to take captives and put them in that lowest level of hell, beneath even death, sword, and famine. But at what cost? At what cost? Our prayers are with our brothers and sisters in Israel at this time. May no one ever be forced to make this unholy decision. And I, as a Jew living outside of Israel, pledged myself not to know better than they, to support them in their prayers, and to support their decisions. Shabbat shalom.